It's great to be with you. Good morning. I want to make something very clear. I am not coming to your house and doing wallpaper. <laughs> that was not an advertisement. That was not an extension of, a, of an offer or anything like that. But I remember that day. It was a good day. So I'm getting myself situated here. How are you? Thank, I, I know I've already said thanks for, for having us, but it really is beyond an honor to be with you guys. It's never a small thing to come and enjoy being at another local church because for the sake of the gospel, the sake of the kingdom of God, which is never in retreat, never being beaten back, we get to come together in relationship and grow together and seek the face of Jesus and give him glory. And I said it uh, when we were worshiping, that is a taste of how all of this ends, how all this ends. One day, the, we... we we're trusting for lots of things. We're not clear on some things, but one thing we are clear on, this ends with us at the feet of Jesus forever and ever and ever. And that's something that I believe with all my heart. And so to see you celebrate that today uh, is, is wonderful, and it's a privilege to be with you. Um, I got a little undone when we were worshiping because there just came this moment, and, I, and this is how I know that the life of God is moving in a local church. Uh, one of the ways is... When we started singing about the resurrected Jesus, there wasn't a still body in the room. You guys were excited. You were singing. You, you have an understanding of what that means, that Jesus is alive. He is seated. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. That means it is truly finished. A king sits when he is done. It's a finished work. And when we started singing about that, you guys erupted. I'm sweating. Kalina was in the splash zone there. I didn't do it. But it's... It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be among you. Um, I just want to thank the, the leaders. I, I know I've thanked Hugh and Vanessa. I was text, texting them this week. Thanks to Gavin and Megan as well and the leadership team. Uh, Hugh did let me know. He said, James, I'm not going to be there, so this time you get to say whatever you want. And I made very clear to him that even if he was here, I would say whatever I want. <laughs> we, love, we love Hugh and Vanessa, and we love giving them uh, a hard time uh, and a good time. We go way back with you and Vanessa. Uh, just before we get started, you, this, I feel the Lord uh, doing a few things today. I'm just sensing a few things, and, and I'm, so I'm going to kind of stay with my notes. I might go off of them a little, so you'll just have to uh, bear with me. Uh, but th this couple right here, you guys, yeah, just as we were, yes, just as we were worshiping, uh, I just had a picture of this beautiful, ornate treasure chest, and it was just covered with a bunch of uh, dust and kind of dirt like it had been stored in an attic forever and ever and kind of overlooked. And I just saw this hand come and brush all of the dust away and uh, just have a sense for you guys uh, that there is a coming expanse and that God has put something rich inside of you uh, that maybe you felt has been a little piled on and that that time of being piled on is ending that there's going to be a, an explosion forth. And I, don't, I hope that resonates with you. I just submit that to you. I don't have anything more specific than that, but just as we were worshiping, I saw you guys, uh, that, that picture for you guys. Uh, God is at work among you, and I hope, I hope it's not strange for someone who's not a part of your church to come in and say that, but when I walk in here, I see the way that you all treat one another, the way you regard one another, and it speaks to me of how, what you think of Jesus, because what you think of Jesus will translate into how you treat Jesus' people. And it resonates with us. So I'm going to share today a little bit of where we've been. I'll share a little of our story. And it's kind of, kind of going to be half testimony, half teaching. Um, 
If I start wading into too much of one or the other, you can just call me back. Uh, but we, our family, if you, if you don't know, we are in the midst of a transition. In uh, about five or six weeks, we are moving to New York City. Uh, we're moving to East Harlem on the Upper East Side of Manhattan uh, to, to start a church. We're going to take our four kids and we're going to double the population of Manhattan by moving there. And we're going to fit inside an apartment the size of the chair you're sitting in. And, but we're going because God has, over the course of about five and a half years, placed that on our hearts and started it with an inkling and a wonder, and then it, we begin to pray into it, it becomes a desire, and then we have a conviction that it's a calling, and now it's time has come. Um, and so we, we've, we're moving next month. We're finishing this month out at Anthem Church. Uh, on the, where I serve on the eldership team, and Jess uh, has overseen the children's ministry for a while there, so we're transitioning out of that soon, and this is the culmination of an incredible journey for us, um, even though there's so much more uh, to come, and there's much to be praying for, so if you want to be praying for us, anything you can think of, pray for it. <laughs> people, people ask, how can we pray for you? I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Just, there's no wrong way to, to pray for us, but because of this transition, We've been in a certain kind of season that I want to describe in a few minutes, and I, it's a type of season that I think, I have a hunch that you'll probably identify with, and it may not mean that you're moving to East Harlem, although if you want to come, baby, just let, you just let me know. Um, sorry, Hugh and Vanessa, <laughs> listening on the podcast. <laughs> You may be in this type of season with different personal details and different personal specifics, but that actually doesn't matter. The season that I want to talk about today is, I think, common to all of us at one point in time. And it's the, the, the type of season that I want to give a name to today, and I want to call it the suspended season. The suspended season. Not like you got suspended at school and you can't come. Not that that ever happened to me or I know anything about what that is like. I'm kidding. Not that kind of suspended. The suspended as in, like, you've tossed a ball up in the air, and the ball is no longer going up, and it hasn't started coming down. It's just kind of at that moment of like, what's happening? I know something's coming. I know something is not yet, but it's not happening yet. And I know where I've been, and I'm not there anymore. I have a sense of where I'm going, and I'm not there yet. I'm kind of just like that. I wish I was that, that graceful. It's a time of knowing things are coming and trusting God that they will come. It's a time of dreaming fiercely for what you have faith that is coming, something that's not seen yet. It's even naming the promises that God has for you. It's, it's sensing that there's an inheritance coming from God, something of, you might use this language, something more from God, something next to step into, and maybe it's getting closer and closer, and maybe it's even starting to get clearer and clearer, and you have maybe a deeper sense of what it is, but it's not here yet. It's just not here yet, and it creates a yearning, and it even creates a desperation, and it's, it's like we're craning our neck down the road, and that's, and that's godly, and that's good, because if God has an inheritance for you, then feel free to want it. <laughs> feel free to want it. But it creates this sense of, of suspension. Like I said, like a ball at the top of its flight. And, and it can happen in any aspect of our lives. Uh, not just the spiritual ones like calling, passion, destiny, all those things. It can happen in any part of our lives. Our, our education, our job. Jake just graduated from Moody. There's this sense of, whoa, I'm between. You know, it's uh, in our... 
in our finances, our family, our relationships. Maybe these are the spiritual things too, <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm preaching it. How many of you have ever, well, this is a silly question in 2019. When you've watched something on TV, like on Netflix or whatever, and you pause it in the middle, the little thing pops up at the bottom that shows you how far you are into the show. And if you're 25 minutes into a 47-minute show, you're not at minute 12 anymore. You've watched minute 12. But you're not at minute 40 yet either. You have a sense that I'm in a suspended season because I needed to go refill my drink and I've paused my show. But, but it pops up and it shows you. This is where you are. And that's coming. But it's not yet. And you can see that you're not at the end. And you get a keen sense of the difference between now and the coming now. Maybe you're in a suspended season like that today. Maybe you've been there before. But either way, I would wager a guess that we're all going to be there again at some point. At some point. So that brings up some, some things that I want to talk through from a testimony standpoint today. Because Jess and I have found our family in this kind of suspended season. Getting ready to move. A suspended season viscerally reminds us that things are not yet. It shapes our perspective on right now. It causes us, it can cause us to be one of two things regarding right now. A suspended season can cause us to be resentful of right now. It can cause us to be impatient with right now. You know why? Because it's not yet. Because I'm at minute 25 and I want to be at minute 47 and, and I'm not there yet. And it's not going fast enough. That's one thing a suspended season can cause us to be. Or in a suspended season, we can seek to be faithful with now and ask the question, how can we be essential to God's purposes right now, even though I have a sense of what's not yet? What I have is right now. And that posture of being faithful with right now, if we can, if we can do that, if we can be faithful with right now, that's something that God will actually allow us to carry into when not yet becomes now. And we'll be faithful with that now. This is very much like one of those time-bending movies. The now and the not yet. So how we go about now is crucial to what is coming. And how we go about now will reveal whether or not we're just biding our time or whether we're sharpening our hearts. And how we go about now will reveal whether we're training our hearts to own or we're allowing ourselves to disown by always looking ahead. And that won't change when we get to minute 47. We'll be yearning for minute 48. And we'll always be looking ahead. How we go about now shows whether we think now is a waste of time because it's not yet or if now is the time to own and prepare for what's coming. See, an inheritance, something that is coming from God, is given by God simply because he's good. It's not earned. It's not uh, achieved. God thinks up inheritance. It's his idea. It's his design. And he promises it because he's good and because he enjoys promising. But inheritance tomorrow and how we walk into it is flavored, if I can use that word, by how faithful we are today with right now. If God is intentional... And if he does things on purpose, and if he's, not, if he's never surprised by anything, then can I just say something to you? Who you are, where you are, with whom you are, in the time that you are, God is not surprised by. You live now, in this city, 
as a part of this local church, of all the times you could have lived in, of all the places you could have lived, of all the things you could be doing, of all the people you could have known all throughout all time, it doesn't surprise God that you live now knowing who you know, being with who you're with as a part of this local church. God's not surprised. He's not going, oh, shoot, Toby and Diamond, I messed up. God's not doing that. If God is intentional, then let me say, you are crucial to right now. So how do we go about right now? Especially in a suspended season. And I'm getting a sense that some of you are thinking, I've got some things that I'm trusting God for that I believe are coming, and that suspended season is resonating with you. Or maybe I'm just hoping it is. How do we rightfully hope for tomorrow's inheritance in a suspended season? Essentially, the question I want to ask today is, can we fight now for tomorrow and for now? Can we fight now for tomorrow and for now? Does that make sense? It's kind of inception. You guys, I'm kidding. Jess and I have been grinding through this question for the last better part of the last year and I want to say the answer to that question is yes it is possible to fight for now fight now for tomorrow and for what's right now turn in your Bibles with me to Numbers chapter 32 Numbers chapter 32 you heard me right we're going to the Old Testament to the book of Numbers and while you're turning there just to give you a little sense of what is happening the Israelites, God's people, who have spent a generation wandering in the wilderness after they have been rescued and delivered from Egypt, the, the, the Israelites have been wandering and, and God has finally got them to a point uh, through teaching them and revealing his law to them and, and leading them and guiding them and, and them finally obeying and sometimes disobeying in this, this cycle of going back and forth. God has his people at a pivotal point both spiritually and geographically. And geographically, the Israelites are at a pivotal point in which they are about to cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan, which was the promised land who God, that God promised to, Moses, uh, excuse me, to Abraham, who you guys just studied for the last several weeks. This is a pivotal moment. God said to Abraham, I'll give you this land. And, and here we are generations, generations and generations later. And they're about to cross over into the land. It's a moment of preparing to cross, and a people this size, this, a group this size, crossing uh, a geographical barrier like this, it sends a message. It says, this is a point of no return, and it communicates to the people who are already in the land of Canaan, we're here, we're not going back, we're moving forward. So this is a big deal, pivotal time. We've come to take what is ours, and we've come to take what has been promised to us, our inheritance. And as they're preparing, you, you guys, you, you can get a sense of the stakes. They're high. And this is a time when everybody needs to be unified and, and on the same page. And, and this, is, this is both, a, this is both a, a, a social push forward, but it's also a military push forward. This is going to be conquest. This is a people moving forward in conquest. And are we all on the same page? And in the midst of that, something strange happens. Two and a half <laughs> tribes of Israel, two and a half of the 12 tribes, Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, who's descended from Joseph, they come to Moses and they pose an odd request. They pose an odd request. It se seems to be out of left field. They say, we're excited about our inheritance, but actually, 
before we cross the Jordan, we want you to know, can our inheritance be here where we are right now? We know we're crossing the Jordan, but we want our inheritance to be here right now. <laughs> Let's read with me. In, Mo in uh, Numbers 32, almost called it the book of Moses. Not totally inaccurate, but Numbers 32, verses 1 through 5. The Reubenites and the Gadites, who had very large herds and flocks, saw that the lands of Jazir and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the community, and they said, don't get lost in these names, we'll talk about them in just a minute, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazir, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliah, Sebam, Nabo, and Baon, these are, this is all the land that the Lord had just led them through, the land the Lord subdued for the people of Israel, these are suitable for livestock. And we, your servants, have livestock. If we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Do not make us cross the Jordan. What's going on here? What's going on here? They didn't tell you this in Sunday school. It was just the conquest of Canaan, right? <laughs> these two and a half tribes have gotten a glimpse of something that they believe to be their inheritance. And it was not yet, but here they are right now, and things are going a different direction. And it didn't change anything about the right now. It just pointed out that there's a sense of what could be their inheritance, and it's not yet. And, and Moses starts off by rebuking them, and he kind of goes back and forth, and they have a conversation. We won't read all of it now. But Moses eventually uh, says, the Lord will grant your request. The Lord will grant your request with one major detail. These two and a half tribes can't drop out now. We are going into Canaan. There is a conquest to be had. And we are going in as a whole people. And after we have conquered Canaan, you may come back and have these lands. You have to complete what is right now. And then what is not yet will be yours for the taking. Moses says to them in verse 20 of Numbers chapter 32, if you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for battle, and if all of you who are armed cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out before him, then when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel, and this land will be your possession before the Lord. But if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. So... The inheritance that these tribes will walk into tomorrow is directly related to their faithfulness with the right now, today. In other words, while we yearn for what is coming, God has our gaze right where we are. And he hasn't made a mistake. They're in a suspended season. These two and a half tribes are. They're faced with a question of faithfulness with the right now. And if that's resonating with you or you feel like you've heard that somewhere before, it's because you have. Jesus speaks multiple times about it. This isn't just an Old Testament illustration. Jesus multiple times spoke about faithfulness with what we have being an entry point into more being given and, to, and what we will walk into as an inheritance. And if it's resonating with you, believe me, it resonates with us and we're with you in it. We want to be in East Harlem. That is where we have been called to be. We want to be in New York. I feel like I wake up a New Yorker every day in Chicago. I love Chicago. We, we want to be church planters. We wake up every day ready to church plant, not church planting. <laughs> we wake up homesick for a city we don't live in yet. And what is it you're yearning and dreaming for? And I don't have to know the specifics, but I know it's there. 
Because the personal details of each of our inheritance or what we're trusting from God, they're going to differ. But this season is going to be common to all of us. And the inheritance we walk into tomorrow is flavored by our faithfulness with today. You guys okay? So these tribes are, are posed with this, with this command from, from the Lord through Moses. Be faithful with today. And your inheritance tomorrow is secured with that. So how do these, how do these two and a half tribes res- respond? Firstly, they recognize the suspended season and they agree to be faithful with the right now. In Numbers 32, verse 31, they respond, The Gadites and the Reubenites answered Moses, Your servants will do what the Lord has said. We will cross over before the Lord into Canaan armed, but the property we will inherit will be on this side of the Jordan. And later on in, in Joshua we find out that not only did they cross over with the full, the full amount of the people of Israel, these tribes crossed over in front. They led crossing the Jordan. They were in front for the battle. So firstly, they recognized the season, and they agreed to be faithful with right now. Secondly, in their faithfulness for right now, they know that they will eventually walk in to what will be theirs. Over in Joshua chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it. This is where the conclusion of this conquest has happened. The land of Canaan has been conquered, and Joshua is speaking to all the tribes. Oh, I'm sorry, this is what I just referenced. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle, in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. They recognized the season. They were humbly faithful with what was in front of them. And it didn't prohibit them from trusting with all their might for what they know to be coming. It wasn't incongruent. You see, in God's supernatural reckoning, in the way God goes about his kingdom, faithfulness now, even building something you won't fully walk into, also builds what he has coming for you. Faithfulness now, even building into something you won't fully walk into, also builds what God has coming for you. Jess and I have experienced this firsthand with Anthem Church. It's been an intense season, building in, building in, building in, all the while understanding we're not walking into where this will be one day. And the only theological answer I can give to that is it doesn't matter. God has given us this time to be faithful with right now. A year ago, I came to that realization I was struggling deeply, if I can be honest, with our season in Chicago and and at Anthem Church. And it's not malicious, but our hearts were moving on. Our hearts were starting to move towards New York. You know when your heart starts to move to something. What's the worst possible thing that can happen? Staying where you are. (laughs) Because you're gone. You're gone. And at the same time, while what I wanted to happen was sort of this landing gear coming down at Anthem where it's just like, great, I'm going to hand this off, going to hand this off, going to ride off into the sunset. This is going to be totally easy. That is the exact opposite of the season we were having. We were changing our name from Church in the City to Anthem Church. And that comes with a whole load of things that you have to do legally, uh, design-wise. All this And I'm in the middle of that. Also, we're in the middle of purchasing a building. And I'm crucial, not in an arrogant way, but just crucial to certain things. I sit in certain seats where, that are just intensifying, and I can't hand this off to anybody. I'm going, God, you have made a mistake. I, Lord, I, I think you might have missed it, because we're transitioning, and yet I come in, and my desk is just getting higher and higher and higher and higher. Hello, Lord. 
And our good friend, Ken Grenfell, who I know has been with you guys, he, he reminded Jess and me, because the same thing was happening with her, with, with children and family ministry, and, and we just, we, we felt like we should be doing this, lifting our hand gently. And instead, it's like we had to hold on to more. And my good friend, Ken Grenfell, reminded us through this account of these two and a half tribes who had their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan, that God hasn't missed it. That it's actually not incongruent for right now, even to intensify, even as we're yearning all the more for what's not yet. And I had to repent. I had to repent. I had to recalibrate my idea of the relationship between now and not yet from the perspective of God's kingdom. You see, it makes total sense from a worldly, logical reasoning standpoint that if you're going to start just kind of cashing it in, that's not the perspective of God's kingdom. It's not. So we set ourselves toward remaining faithful here. And I'll share something that I wrote tearfully. I'm not going to share it tearfully. I wrote it tearfully. You're welcome. A little over a year ago, on May 24th, 2018, when I came to this realization, I said, essentially, an acceleration towards New York, which we were feeling, does not have to mean a deceleration of ownership here. In fact, like these tribes who wanted the East Jordan, we're still here and at the forefront during the most intense, crucial moments of crossing and establishing for Anthem Church. And when that establishment occurs, God will lift, release, and call us elsewhere. And even if it seems sudden, it will actually be gentle and right, and he will provide for it and account for it. So in owning and fighting for Anthem Church to cross over in this crucial season, Jess and I are actually duly fighting for their establishment here and our inheritance there. And there doesn't have to be a competition in either. They're not in conflict. They're not mutually exclusive. Rather, in God's kingdom, they are inextricably linked, supernaturally tied as one and the same. And this, this was the statement that I felt God give me so clearly. We fight in Chicago for New York and for Chicago. We fight in Chicago now for New York, tomorrow not yet, and for Chicago. So how did these two and a half tribes fare? What became of their faithfulness? What became of their decision to be faithful with the right now? And how did that flavor the inheritance that they walked into? In Joshua chapter 22, again, don't worry about turning there. I didn't warn you. Verses 1 through 4, Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The conquest is done. He summoned these two and a half tribes. And Joshua said to them, you have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you've obeyed me in everything I've commanded. Listen, for a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites. For a long time. The original Hebrew means for a long time. For a long time, you've carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given them rest as he promised, Return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Not yet had become now. And the same faithfulness that they showed ushered them into their inheritance. 
Inheritance exists only because God is good, not because we achieve it. But how we walk into it is flavored by our faithfulness right now. So as we bring this into a landing in a few minutes, let's get practical. Because at some point in our, in our lives, we find ourselves in a suspended season, like Jess and I have been in for, for this last year. And that feels like for a long time to us. But there are suspended seasons that are longer. And some of you probably, I bet, are in some right now that are longer than that. What does faithful with right now look like? That question is really a question of being all in. That's an all-in question in where God has you. Because a follower of Jesus who's all in where he or she is, is someone that God can take anywhere and do anything with. Because he knows they have a posture of being all in right where they are. You understand? God knows he's all in. She's all in. I can take them anywhere. And a church, if I can say, who's all in, that's a dangerous church. That's a dangerous church. A church that God can do extraordinary things in great power with. It's like a blank canvas to the kingdom of God, a church who's all in. So in a suspended season, what do you do to remain faithful? It's not going to be an exhaustive list. You're going to think of other things or probably disagree with a few of them. That's fine. These are just a few things that Jess and I have learned over this last year about how do we remain faithful with right now. You guys okay? Firstly, to remain faithful with right now, you look to own it at every turn. Look to own where you are at every turn. Participate. Don't spectate. And that rhymes so you know it's true. This is not a question of consuming and kind of, kind of hanging back. This is a question of jumping in and not comparing yourself to one another or not saying, well, you know, I'm, man, I'm not Marie. She can do this, that, and the other. And I'm, no, it's a question of God has gifted you specifically, created you specifically, intentionally, we've reminded ourselves. So look to own at every turn. In the, in the book of 1 Thessalonians in the Bible, this is Paul's first letter. This is the Apostle Paul's first letter very early in his ministry. And the Thessalonian church was a very young church. It was one of the first places that Paul went to. One of the first places that Paul visited and one of the first churches established as a foothold into Asia Minor and into, into Europe. And, and Paul writes this to this very young, very fledgling church in, in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. What a wonderful thing. And then he says something interesting to this young, fledgling church. We remember before God our Father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking about a church that is all in, that has taken the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus, and they have said, we are in, prompted by faith, hope, and love. And Paul reminds them that that's actually how he came to them. In chapter 2, he says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our whole lives as well. There's a looking to own at every turn. Paul, we know now the life of Paul. Thessalonica was not where Paul was stopping. He, he had much, much further territory, geographically and spiritually, to go into. He had a very big not yet. But while he was there, it was right now. And he was faithful into this fledgling church and became one of the strongest churches in the whole region. And Paul later calls them a model for all the churches in Macedonia. So just a simple question. How, how, do you, how do you look to own at every turn? Or do you look to pull back? 
if we're looking to pull back, you, you need to do what we had to do, and that is repent. Repent and say, God, I realize right now, I recognize the suspended season. Ask God for the spiritual gift of gumption. It's in there. You just have to look for it. The spiritual gift of gumption. You know what gumption is? It's like, I'm in. Let's, I'm in. Let's do it. I'm not going to watch. I'm going to do it. That may mean serving. It may mean caring. It may mean simply a change of heart if this has just happened in your heart a little bit. Looking to own at every turn is how we stay faithful in the right now. How else do we stay faithful in the right now? In public speaking class, they tell you never to say you or point, but I'm going to do both. To stay faithful with right now, you fight for the unity of this local church. You fight for the unity of this local church. Unity is the spark through which God advances his kingdom. A local church that is unified with all their heads looking in one direction towards Jesus and advancing beyond into, God, into where God is taking you, that is, again, a dangerous church. And the thing is, if the devil can come in and tweak that and take that away, it's a very serious thing. Because then we're going nowhere because we're just staying right here, having to deal with each other. Unity is never the status quo. It's always contended for. I like to say that unity is actually purchased. Unity is bought. And there's only one currency that buys unity, and that's honor. Honoring one another, upholding each other. I'm not saying honor like it's an antiquated word, like it's the 1500s or something. <laughs> I'm saying honor as the vital heartbeat of how we regard each other, of how our flavor is to one another. It's a church that is with each other and for one another. Does that make sense? We're with each other and for one another. Paul encourages that same thing to this young Thessalonian church. In 1 Thessalonians 5, I'm just going to rattle this off. Listen, imagine, imagine yourself as this young church, and Paul is reminding them how they should be with one another. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and, and love because of their work. Then he says, live in peace with each other. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, honor, 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 honor. This is the foundation that purchases unity. And in a suspended season, being faithful with right now, Understanding that God has so much more that he's calling restoration into. Unity purchased with honor will be crucial to that. To be faithful in the right now, we cultivate intimacy with God and we actively wait on him. We cultivate intimacy with God and we actively wait on him. You just finished studying the life of Abraham and, and probably you read this over and over because it's written over and over that Abraham built an altar to the Lord. You remember hearing that a few times? Abraham, uh, even when he was Abram, built an altar to the Lord. And then a few times in the account of his life, it says, and Abraham returned to the place where he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord. Do we live lives of constant altar building where we're saying, God, I'm calling on you. I'm calling on you. 
I'm listening to you. I'm waiting on you. I'm desperate for you to speak. I'm desperate to hear your voice. I believe you're good. I believe you have what is coming and you have me right here and then it's not a mistake. And I believe that because your inheritance is good and intentional, I'm crucial. Lord, I call on you. You have the freedom to discover how God created you and how you hear him because he speaks to you. It's an incredible thing to explore. Find out what that is in your life if you haven't already. Just explore. For me, I've, I've recently discovered I enjoy taking walks and praying to the Lord. I know it sounds so like HGTV, but I love it. I just love being outside and taking a walk with the Lord. What is that for you? What is it for you? What does it look like? Explore that. And, and that whole actively wait part, actively waiting on God, that's everything we've already said. It's fighting for unity. It's being fully present right now and not letting that conflict or compete with trusting for what is coming. Actively waiting on him. You cultivate intimacy with God and you actively wait. And lastly, and I really am bringing it into landing. Thanks for your patience. To remain faithful with right now, we listen to God and we risk on what he says. We listen to God and we risk in faith for what he says. We've already said it. God speaks to everyone here. You have been designed for relationship with him. And relationship means speaking to one another. And that means acting on what God says. Can I just say something? If you have a sense that, that, there's a, that there's fear in acting on what you believe God is saying or you're not sure, the reason why I say risk and step out on what God is saying is because God is not a God who is looking to yank the rug out from under you. God is not saying, hey, everybody watch this. Mike thinks he's heard me. He's really way off, but I can't wait for him to make a fool of himself and risk one so I can just yank the rug and we can all laugh at him when he falls. That's not our God. That's not our God. Our God says, oh, watch my boy Mike. He's stepping out. He's growing in hearing me. Not perfectly, but he's growing and he's risking and I'm going to blow the doors off of what he's doing because I want to advance my kingdom through a young man like that, a young man like that. That's our God. So as you ask the question, Lord, how are you speaking? Risk on it. Risk on it. You know who helps with that? You know who comes alongside you with that? Your elders, your leaders. Gavin, Megan, I'm, I'm sensing the Lord is saying this. I'm, I, Go before them. God has designed the church, not with perfect leaders, but with leaders who have been anointed to serve a role. And when you believe God is speaking, write down or do whatever it takes that you do. Tattoo it to remember it. Here's why. Paul writes to, to Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy. Timothy's a young elder in the Ephesian church, very young, younger than me, so you know he's young. <laughs> he's young, and Paul says, I'm commanding these things to you in accordance with what was prophesied about you so that you can remember them and stand and fight. When God speaks to you prophetically, when God speaks through his word, when God speaks through his people, when he speaks through open doors, do whatever it takes to remember it so that you can remind yourself of it because it brings you strength to stand and fight. In this journal right here, I have a page marked February 3rd, 2014. It just says one thing. 
I didn't think it was much. I just was like, I need to write this down. And it came to me while I was folding laundry, not doing wallpaper. It just says one simple statement. You ready? Felt in my heart that I heard the Lord say, would you be open to moving to New York? Five and a half years ago. Everything in me was like, let's just fold laundry. Write it down. Do what it takes to remember because it's not useless. As you weigh it up before the Lord, God brings it to you again to stand and fight. Fighting now for what is coming and fighting now for now. That's a dangerous church restoration. I'll end with this. God, it always honors God to be faithful with where you are. Whether you have an idea of what's next or not. It never dishonors God to be faithful with where you are. God is not looking for people who are 50% in here so that one day they can go be all in somewhere else. God is looking to say, I'm ready for the people who are all in now because that's a posture they'll take with them into what's coming because how we walk into our inheritance is flavored by our faithfulness with the right now.